Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to CHGO Bears After Dark, presented by DraftKings. Make sure you use the code CHGO when you sign up. Uh, we're back here on a Monday night. No tooth is busted out of my mouth this week, so I, I made it to work on time. Uh, and we're excited. We got some breaking news that came out this morning. I'm your host, Greg Braggs Jr. Alongside me is Corey Wooten, as always, the man that once took out Brett Favre. So, like I said, yeah, we woke up to breaking news. Uh, the Bears have found their offensive coordinator in Shane Waldron, uh, you know, a guy that's been, you know, in a few places around the league, you know, uh, just to give you the rundown, you know, for everybody, you know, he he's coached under Bill Belichick and Sean McVay, uh, oversaw Geno Smith's turnaround, which a lot of uh, Bears fans are definitely intrigued by. Three years of play calling experience. So unlike Luke Getze, who didn't have any play calling experience, He's got three years under his belt and offensive DVOA ranks seventh, 13th and 12th. So, uh, you know, made it into the top 10, you know, and, and somewhere, you know, above average, uh, I guess is the best way you could, uh, potentially phrase it. Now, how he does with the bears is going to be the ultimate question. Uh, I'm sure that was fun for the Seahawks, but at the end of the day, what he does for the bears is going to define whether or not this was the right call. So Corey, you know, from your standpoint, do you think the Bears made it made a good move here? I, I think they made a great choice in Shane Waldron. I think when we're we were talking about last week about the potential of keeping Justin Fields, I feel like this is the perfect coordinator, whether it's Justin Fields or the next guy going forward. But I think what he's been able to do with Geno Smith's career, no offense to Geno Smith, but before he came to Seattle, he was a bad quarterback, right? His numbers I think the the one year he was a complete starter, 13 touchdowns, 23 yep. interceptions. Yep. Never never had a great year by any means. So no, he was de- he was the de- he was determined to bust when he left New oh, York. Yeah. So imagine imagine what what he can do with Justin Fields because we can all agree that Justin Fields has a way higher ceiling than Geno Smith. Talent yeah, of course. Wise, arm strength, yep. his ability to make plays. So I'm excited if we go that route with keeping Justin Fields of what he can do with his game because we've always said that the Justin Fields growth has been stunted by the the past two coordinators. And imagine with Shane Waldron being there and adding a dynamic receiver that can go up and get it, that can make plays. Yep. I think really this guy is the limit for this offense and bringing out Justin Fields because everybody knows he's talented, 
Now it's about him getting the most out of the talent. Yeah, it would be interesting to know, to sit in that room and, and know exactly how the evaluation of Shane Waldron and, 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 you know, how they interviewed him in that process, because Ryan Pulse said, and we got to take him at his word that they were going to have them break down four different ways. And he, he clarified, but essentially show them different roadmaps of how they would, you know, potentially coach up you know, Justin Fields or potentially coach up Caleb Williams or potentially coach up Drake may, uh, and, and maybe even Jaden Daniels, who knows, and seeing the flexibility and the ability to adapt to different guys, I think was important for them this time around. And, you know, the thing that's encouraging to me, cause with Matt Nagy and Luke Getze, they, they didn't have like when I see this guy's coach under Bill Belichick and Sean McVay, like that really encourages me. I like coaches that have been around the block, been with different teams, different schemes, seeing how different people got it done because then you kind of take from all of those places and then formulate your own map and your own game plan and your own, you know, schedule for how you're going to do things and your own, you know, chart for how you're going to call plays and your, your own first 25 plays. And, and so it would be interesting to know, you know, how much they told them, which way they're leaning, if at all. Uh, you know, I think if you're interviewing nine guys, you know, they, they tried to interview 10 and then got blocked for Kellen Moore from the Chargers. So they tried to interview 10 guys. They ended up interviewing nine. You can't tell all of them what you're doing, but then maybe when you whittle down to your final few, or if you're getting Shane Waldron to sign on the dotted line, is there a more deeper discussion? Like before I sign this, I need to know what you're doing. I, personally, I do feel like that conversation took place. And I know there's a lot of Bears fans are like, Oh, they couldn't have told Shane what they're doing yet. Cause they don't know. Maybe, you know, I, I think he has to show the ability of, being able to coach up Justin Fields or a rookie quarterback simply because those rookie quarterbacks aren't on the roster yet. I mean, uh, Caleb Williams could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Like, you know, like you could have all the plans in the world and something could change. They could get hurt while they're doing their, you know, working out and in, in, in their off season workouts. So like, God forbid, I'm just saying like nothing's a foregone conclusion at this point. At the same time, I do feel like, you know, for Shane to sign on the dotted line, he has an idea of what they're going to do one way or the other. Yeah. I, I, I think that may be looking too far into this, but that means they're leaning a little bit more towards keeping Justin Fields. I think if they could have worked out something with Kingsbury, I think that would have been hinting. Maybe they, they would be along more with drafting Caleb Williams. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I just get the vibe that this was the perfect scenario for a guy like Justin Fields, right? Every, Everybody in, in Chicago, in the management, Ryan Poles and company, know how talented he is. This seen it not enough. They haven't seen the consistency with it. So I think they looked at it like, hey, you know, our plan might be keeping Justin Fields unless something happens, a, a crazy trade or something along those lines. And he's a guy that's been able to develop Geno Smith, a guy that people toss to the side, said he's going to be a career backup going from team to team. Yep. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I could be looking into this too much, but I think that's the perfect guy when you're talking about ascending somebody's career to the next level and what he's been able to do with Geno Smith. And I think when you're thinking about it, you're like, well, he, if he did that with Geno Smith, there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to do that with Justin Fields. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. There's no question. It, it's encouraging. If that's the route they go, you have a template that showed how he reclamated somebody that had his struggles. And as we've mentioned, and I agree with you, I think Gino's struggles were greater than what Justin Fields has gone through so far in his three years. So you have more to work with, especially just from an intangible standpoint. So, you know, I, it, to the, in, in regards, I agree. If they had hired Cliff Kingsbury, there's no more discussion. We'd know who they're drafting, right? If they had hired Greg Roman, I think it would be fairly obvious. Or you wouldn't maybe not as much of a slam dunk with the ties that Cliff had with uh, Caleb. But at the same time, if they had hired Greg Roman, it would feel very likely they're going to stick with Justin. And, and so I, you know, I've heard, you know, Herb Howard was saying today, like, oh, well, they wouldn't do that because they don't want to tip their hand. I mean, if, if either of those guys were their guy, you know, they're not going to worry about tipping it. They, they're going to, they're going to hire who's best for the team. I don't think they wouldn't hire someone simply because they don't want to tip their hand for a move. They are going to make one way or the other in a month or two, you hire who's best for your team. But um, you know, it does seem like the Cliff Kingsbury was a fa- fact finding mission. I highly doubt he gets hired as the quarterback's coach here. You know, same with Greg Roman. Isn't he, I, isn't he going to Oak, uh, the Raiders? Didn't they, didn't they announce it? I don't know if that was announced. I think that they, okay. I, I saw a report that they were interested in him, but I, I haven't even seen an official uh, announcement that they've interviewed him yet. Gary, I'm sure in the chat will correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, you know, and last week we had a little fun with it. We did not say Caleb Williams name on an entire broadcast of CHGO. Oh, and I, well, like I said, last week, last week, I was proud of the work we did. I was proud of the, the composure I showed to not say his name for a whole episode, but tonight it's unavoidable. I mean, this is an offensive coordinator hire. It's going to come down to one or the other at the end of the day. I highly doubt Drake may is even on the table for discussion in my opinion, but you know, I think there's some fans that get annoyed that his name doesn't even get brought up in the discussion for what the decision will be for the Chicago bears. You know, I'm on the other side of this, Corey. So, you know, to me, like I do see a West Coast offense. I do see a McVay offense. Quick throws are, you know, a part of this offense. It's not the entire thing. I mean, Shane Waldron likes to throw it deep downfield. He does do play action boot. Uh, the one thing I did see in the run game was they were under center for some runs that I saw. I, I We barely saw them get under center to run the ball this year. So I liked that I saw that, you know, and so you know, to me, when you consider what the Sean McVay offense is and you see the coaches that Shane Waldron, the quarterbacks that Shane Waldron has coached and, you know, Jared Goff, a number one pick, um, you know, a guy that he had to work with right out the gate, Matt Stafford, John Wolford, um, you know, Drew Locke, Russell Wilson, and now Geno Smith, you know, guys that, you know, nobody has the ability that Justin Fields has outside of Lamar Jackson and, and a couple players in the league, but these players are different than Justin. Now, does that help Shane Waldron? I'd certainly be interested to know, like in an offense with Justin, could he have, you know, obviously now you have a weapon where a guy that can run like Lamar Jackson, you have to utilize that. So I'd be interested to know how he sold to the, to, to Ryan polls, like, Hey, I'm going to run my offense, but here's the wrinkles I'll put in to get the most out of Justin. And like I said, under center play action, roll out, get him in half field reads where you have three tiers, short, middle, high, you know, those things I think can be implemented into Justin Fields game, but then some of the other stuff they run 
from the pocket, quick passing, quick delivery. I do think suits Caleb Williams more. And then when you talk about the outside the pocket stuff, both Caleb Williams and Justin Fields make dynamic plays outside the pocket. It's not like Caleb Williams isn't also a dual threat. It's just Justin Fields running ability is far and away better than most running quarterbacks in this league. So yeah, I do still think this is an indication that they're going to draft Caleb Williams. And, you know, at the end of the day, we'll get to that point when we do. Um, but you know, it, it's going to be something we're just going to continue to have to grind our teeth over. And I know it's a frustrating conversation for a lot of bears fans. And I totally understand why, and it's not a foregone conclusion by any means. Uh, but you know, this is kind of where we're at right now. So we're on both ends of the coin. I mean, the afternoon show today, Herb Howard feels strongly that they'll keep Justin Fields and, and Hogue and Karma on the other side of it. So, you know, it's healthy to kind of have this back and forth debate because uh, I think you learn a little more about your team that way. I, I would I would be surprised. Like, you, you, everyone knows that I've been, you know, really high on Justin Fields and keeping him, uh, especially with a great coordinator. I just, I just think um, the Bears finally got the coordinator position right, whether they keep Justin Fields or not. Right? I think for so long we picked Mike Martz. Right? Like, oh, he has this great scheme. Yeah, that was good on the greatest show of turf when you had five of the best offensive linemen in the league, where you could do a five and seven step drop. You know, on command, you had Marshall Falk, one of the best all-purpose backs in, in the world. You had two great receivers in Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt. Um, so I, I, I think that was tough. All the other coordinators that came after that, they finally got a guy that when you look at, and you showed me Colt McCoy's breakdown, it was great. Or some of his principles, some of you know his sets and how, how he thinks about stuff to get different matchups, especially with a guy like DK Metcalf. And I'm looking at you know uh, DJ Moore, what he can be able to do to elevate his game, an already talented player that really you know blew it out the water this year. Imagine what he can do next year in, in this scheme with some yep. of these principles. And then I talk about the, the offensive line, how he loves the dual chip, which I think is one of the best things you can do to help out your tackles, whether it's Braxton Jones, um, right? You give them just an extra second. You give the quarterback an extra second. So I think that's genius a lot of times because how many times have we seen, you know, one-on-one -on -one matchups against, you know, Miles Garrett, all these other talented yeah. pass rushers. Yeah. Right? And you're like, these guys – make their living on, on, you know, preying on these younger tackles. Why not give the chip help? So that's what I love from Waldron. And I think the Bears finally got it, got it right. This offensive genius, this offensive guru. So whether they go with Justin or Caleb Williams, whoever, the Bears future is going to be bright offensively. And I think if they keep Justin Fields, it's going to continue to elevate his game. And if they do keep Justin Fields, right, Greg Moman would have been a great fit. But when you talk about development for Justin in the passing game, this is – just what the doctor ordered in Shane Waldron yep. of elevating his game and taking it to the next level with this type of offense, right? Right. He's going to implement some of those, you know, sprint out some of the zone reads in there for sure, just because of his dynamic playmaking ability. But to take Justin Fields to the next step, if they do end up keeping him, this is the perfect scheme for him. And like I said earlier, what he was able to do with Geno Smith, he can do that in some with Justin Fields because Justin Fields has a way higher ceiling than Geno Smith. So I don't think anybody, if you, if you were talking about, you know, Seattle when they first got Geno Smith, they, they had no expectations about him at all. I think everybody in Chicago knows about the natural ability, natural playmaking ability, 
cannon of an arm to Justin Fields. It's about the inconsistency. So imagine if you could do that with a great offensive mind, you add another weapon with a scheme that really scripts him for success, and you have the principles, especially working on his passing game, right, getting the ball out quickly, some of those hard play-action looks, which which are a nightmare for opposing teams, especially under center, right, yep. as a former defensive lineman. I hated when people went under center with that hard play action because what they do is they keep a tight end in, they keep the tackle there, you really sell the run, and you're trying to go against two people and get around them, get your pass rush. So it really buys opposing quarterbacks a lot of times. So I think this is the perfect scheme for Chicago and elevating um, whatever quarterback's in there. I'm hoping it's Fields because I think he's too talented to let go. I think he just needs – an offensive coordinator that can script for him. And I think Shane Waldron is that guy and he's proven it. And yeah, I love all those disciples of, of McVay, of Shanahan. You look at this year with CJ Stroud, not taking anything away from him at all, but Bobby Slowick, where was he? Six years in, in San Francisco under Shanahan. Right. Waldron was with Sean McVay. That's, yep. a, that's an offensive. LaFleur. Was well. yep. Yeah, and then before they were in Washington together in 2016, I believe all yep. of them. Um, so there is a pedigree. They've been around. They've been around a lot of brilliant minds, and he has the proof as a coordinator. It's not an experiment like Luke Getzey. We're like, oh, Aaron Rodgers, he's so successful. And yeah, let's do Luke Getzey. Let's try it out. Yep. It just didn't work out. But this is a proven play call in this league. He turned around somebody's career that that didn't have a chance at all. Right? Everyone said, oh, Geno Smith, he's He's never going to be a guy. And now, arguably, he's one, he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. He's definitely a top 10 quarterback. You yep. can make that argument all day. So, yeah, I'm, for I'm me, excited to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I think overall, like, because we always are locked into the quarter, it's the most important decision in franchise history, I think, coming up this offseason. I don't think that's hyperbole. But I think when you talk about a good transition you know people are like oh this is a good transition for fields because he you know played under getsy it's a similar system but this guy understands what he's doing more i think it has more to do with the run game you know you yeah. kept your offensive line coach in chris morgan you've drafted personnel on your offensive line that you're likely to keep in braxton jones and darnell Wright. you sign nate davis tevin jenkins is likely to be back yes you need a center but you're not going to change out your entire offensive line and and they've been drafted specifically with their, you know, um, you know, intangibles and attributes and their, their, you know, uh, physique to be outside zone type of running athletic. They're not the bigger bulkier guys. And so you bring Shane Waldron in who runs outside zone. I mean, he, he was ranked fifth in outside 36%. Uh, outside zone fifth um, in the league in, in outside zone run, run concepts, you know, per our guy, Brad Spielberger, who was dropping some good knowledge. You know, if you're into the analytics of everything, which sometimes can be beyond me, but he lays it out in pretty good, simple terms. And and so to me, that's, that's the foundation is that they're keeping outside zone. They want to run the football. They have a good, you know, uh, running back system. They've shown that here the last couple of years. And now they want to elevate that passing system. So when you talk about that, you know, you've got a guy that who wants to press you downfield, challenge you downfield. And so that's something we didn't see enough. That was one of the first, you know, one of the first things I noticed at training camp was I had never seen the ball not thrown downfield as much as I did at camp this year. I've never seen 
such little amount of downfield passing. And it was to a point after the 11th, 12th practice I saw in person, I'm like, where's the deep shots? Like not even the second or third team guys were, and I've been, you Corey, you know, I've been harassing you at training camp since your playing days. Like I've gone to a million camps and you always see at least one or two deep balls per practice. And maybe it's not from the starter. It's from the second or third string guy. But like, I'm telling you, you, if you had gone to camp every, every, every practice this year, you only saw one Tyler Scott hit a guy on a double move. And I was like, this is weird. Like, and so this, this offense, when you talk about rankings, deep pass rate, 14.3% of their, of their passing was deep passing third in the league, you know? So that's something that would play to Justin Fields' strength, but also Caleb Williams. So if we're going to talk about both yeah. quarterbacks, uh, RPO rate, 12.2%, that's ranked 12th here, you know, in the league. RPO, I think, is going to be something that's beneficial to both Justin Fields and Caleb Williams, who are a threat with both their arms and their legs. So you challenge, you know, the, you know, the defense to decide what they're going to do. Uh, so this is a guy that I think is going to be more beneficial as we've said, and we can continue to beat the dead horse of who we think it's going to be. But at the end of the day, I'm with you. It's it's uh, just if you just look at the offensive coordinator for who he is and you leave out the names on the back of the jersey for who he's going to coach, I do believe there is promise to who we've just hired. Now, we always want to think the best of who we just hired. We want to look at the most optimistic outlook of how it's going to work out. I think we all did the same with Luke Getze. There's a little more here as far as learning from your mistakes when it comes to, you know, a guy now that has experience play calling a guy that has a resume of developing quarterbacks or reclamating guys that have had a tough, you know, go of it to start their career. So there's more evidence, but the one thing that does concern me that you hear from some Seahawks fans is Sometimes on third down, he gets a little out of his head. They can't decide what happened sometimes. And there was a lot of criticism coming his way. We've been through that. The biggest thing for me is how much are you going to predicate running the football? Yes, you run outside zone, but these guys, this is a passing offense. That's, that's what he wants to do. And, you know, he took Geno Smith from 2000 some odd yards to 4,000 passing yards. Okay, that's great. I'd love for him to take Justin Fields or Caleb Williams and turn him into a 4,000-yard passer. But at the end of the day, A, Justin Fields has a a talent that only very few quarterbacks have, and Lamar Jackson's putting that on full display here in the playoffs. Justin has that ability. And B, you know, like Caleb Williams, he's not he's likely to not be a 4,000 passer, 4,000-yard passer right out the gate. So you want to pass the ball if you're Shane Waldron. Okay, we're excited for that. I'd love to look like the rest of the league who, you know, understands how to throw the ball for a first down. We've been waiting for that. But, you know, I I am a little worried about how much he's going to, you know, respect running the football because Matt Nagy came here once upon a time. And the first year with Jordan Howard, you know, they ran the ball and Tariq Cohen, they ran the ball and they got to the playoffs and they, they built up Mitch as little by little Mitch had his flaws. So they could only do so much. They made the playoffs played with defense and running the ball. But in the second year, he starts to get out of his head. He's trying to do too much. 
you know, Mitch isn't good enough. And at one point, Matt Nagy says in a press conference, I didn't come here to run the I formation. So please, for the love of God, Shane Waldron, don't have that mindset. You know, understand that, you know, you're you, running the football is still a staple here in Chicago until you can build yourself up to proving that you can be a pass first offense. I definitely have my concerns when it comes to, you know, the foundation still being running the football until they can prove they can do otherwise. Yeah, I, I think I think they do run the football in Seattle. What he's shown, you know, Kenneth Walker is very talented. Um, so I think he's going to look at what they have set up for success, right? He's going to look at their, their tape last year look at all the elements that they have, uh, offensively, especially with the running back position. He's really going to utilize that. Obviously he's going to lean on a guy like DJ Moore. He's really going to get Cole Komet going. Um, you know, and I, I've always said, I think Cole Komet can, can be like that Kyle Rudolph, right? He's not a burner but he's going to be that Mr. Reliability. And what we saw before he got injured was exactly that, right over the seam route. He was Justin Fields' best friend in the red zone as well. They were connecting. And that's what I'm hoping they can continue to, do, to, continue to do, rather, and then add another weapon at receiver. Um, mm-hmm. Just because – and I'm thinking back about the scenarios. And obviously you think Caleb Williams is going to get drafted. I think they're going to keep Justin Fields. The reason why I think so is because look at Paul's history. He likes trading back. He likes getting more picks. Look what he was able to do with last year's pick by trading back. And I just think that this team, and and I've said this before, we made an argument that this team was a playoff caliber team the way they were playing the end of the season, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially on defense, but just team-wise, 100%. Team-wise, they were playing pretty pretty good. Offensive was playing good enough to to win the games, right? Defensive was playing lights out. Um, And then you can make an argument that, you know, defense was still playing lights out even without a dominant pass rusher opposite sweat, without a without a legit three technique, and then without a wide receiver, a number two. We, we really didn't have a number two receiver. Cole Komet, tight end, it is what it is, but we didn't have a guy that could really stretch, stretch the field. Yep. So I just think you trade back, you keep Justin Fields, especially with this coordinator that is – that really – turned around Geno Smith's career. Um, and then you're able to add that wide receiver. You're able to add those defensive line positions and then maybe a center here or there. I do think that that's going to set the bears up for success sooner um, and really make a, a push for a Super Bowl type of team. Because yep. if they started the season, they, they should have they been 10 and six going into that Green Bay game, even despite how bad they played this season. That was awful how they lost that Denver game. You got to close that one out. Cleveland, that's one you got to close. The Detroit game when you're up two scores with four minutes left. Imagine that, going 10-6, and six, how bad things were. To be able to go into Green Bay, you know you're going to make the playoffs with a chance to win 11 games. Yep. How just how bad? I mean, at the at the very least, they 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 could have won eight or nine. I mean, they finished the season what was seven seven wins, and so if you if you want to be fair, yeah, Denver, Detroit, and Cleveland, they should have won those games. Not could have, they should have won those games. At the end of the day, they didn't. In the Denver and Detroit games, the offense played outstanding, and the defense let let them down at the end. Uh, and then in the Cleveland game, it was the opposite. The the defense played outstanding and the offense couldn't, couldn't get much done that day against a tough Cleveland defense. But 
you know, so if you wanted to be fair to it and say well, even one game, you know, they could have had eight wins walking into Green Bay or or two of the three, and they have nine wins yeah. walking into Green Bay. So, you know, I agree with you. I mean, they were a playoff caliber team, but they were just short of what the caliber was or what the standard is. And that's not to say that they would have been a Super Bowl contender, but I mean, when you look at what's going on in the NFC and the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting into the divisional round and and giving the Lions a fight, you know, you just never know once you get in. And uh, unfortunately for the Bears, they couldn't. To your point earlier, like when we watched, and and I thought Josh Norris and, and Colt McCoy did a fantastic breakdown on their on their uh, their podcast called Scheme with uh, Fantasy Underdog, and they, they did a great job because um, Colt really just broke it down in terms I think people can understand and. And you talked about the chipping, you know, with, with uh, when it, you okay over there? Did you drop something? Uh, yeah, something fell. It's hard. <laughs> no, it's all good. I was just making sure somebody didn't collapse. No, um, you know, it, the one thing I did like from it was you weren't seeing Tyler Scott come into block, you know, and they had a running back at one point offset, which changed the angle that Miles Garrett had because he was wide. You know, they're doing this wide nine and he could have, you know, gone if you didn't have the running back offset to the left and he's in, you know, behind, you know, behind the quarterback in the eye formation, Garrett would have had a better angle to get around the tackle. But instead they slid the uh, running back offset to the left and Miles Garrett now has to take more of an inside route. And then he helps chip as he goes out for his, you know, you know, um, you know, his route. And, and I think that kind of stuff, like with Luke Getzey, we were seeing Tyler Scott come into block Darnell Mooney come into block and, and expecting them to hold the edge, not just come in and chip the guys that they wanted to one-on-one -on -one block, even on successful plays this Charlie, season. Rashawn Gary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even on successful plays this season, Cole Komet had a touchdown against the saints. If you go back and watch, Tyler Scott stood up their defensive end. I mean, Hey, much respect to you, but we shouldn't be asking those guys. That's not, that shouldn't be their responsibility within the offense. So, you know, it seems like this, this scheme and the way he dials up the, the, the protection, it, it feels like it makes a little more sense. As you mentioned about stacking plays, you know, uh, if you watch this breakdown, they, they really highlight this uh it looks like a tight end and a fullback woot right and they're yeah. like offset to the right then you got the running back behind the quarterback in a pistol type formation and they, what they show is like from week to week you know like five weeks down the road each game they showed a different variation of that play and that's always the mark of a good offensive coordinator is to put something on tape within a formation and then have that team aware of it and then run something different out of the same formation. And you would think that all of offensive coordinators would understand that and do that more consistently, but it's not always the case. And it seems like that's one thing this guy is known for is creative play designs and being able to stack off of those design concepts. So I'm not going to ever pretend like I'm some guru when it comes to this kind of stuff. I understand it on a very surface level mm -hmm. and there's better people out there than me that can break this stuff down. But, you know, at the same time, there is some things that are encouraging, but at the, you know, I always understand that I get excited 
for any hire or any player that comes in, I'm always going to want to see their path, envision their path to success on the team. I'm not going to immediately, you know, think it's not going to work out. It's just not in my nature. So I'm already devising plans of how this is going to work out perfectly. And they're going to win the Super Bowl one day and we'll be marching down Lakeshore drive, you know, uh, you know, with the championship parade, but you know, long way to go. and, And we'll just have to wait and see how it all plays out and the personnel he has. I mean, when you mentioned the wide receivers, you have, you know, DK Metcalf and and Tyler Lockett, you know, (laughs) Marvin Harrison Jr. Certainly can play the DK Metcalf role. Right. And, and Tyler Lockett, you know, DJ Moore is probably an upgrade from Tyler Lockett. Right. So now you you've got even more weaponry. So I do think that's one thing we can take away from if you, if you go past the quarterback decision, Right now, it's DJ Moore. Darnell Mooney is unlikely to return. Maybe with the Shane Waldron hiring, that opens the door back up for him to return. But I doubt it. It didn't seem like he was really enjoying, you know, his time here this year. You know, with with everything, you know, not going the way he or the team wanted. But you know, um, I think the one thing we can say for certain is they're going to upgrade that wide receiver room one way or the other. Whoever the quarterback is, you got DJ Moore. Tyler Lockett's, you know, a, a guy still developing. Who knows what they're going to do with Valus Jones going forward? So to me, I think that we're going, you know, to need to bring in some heavy artillery. So I'd like to see them sign a veteran wide receiver in free agency and then try to draft a rookie wide receiver. I'd love it for a guy to be in the first round. If it's Marvin Harrison Jr., so be it. But at nine, it would be nice if Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze fell, fell to them. Um, I doubt if, if uh, Brock Bowers falls to nine, the tight end, you know, who's got a lot of talent out of Georgia. It doesn't seem like they utilize two tight end, you know, passing concept all that much. So I, I don't think that that's going to be on the board uh, for the bears uh, as, as intriguing as Brock Bowers is they have their tight end with Cole Komet. So you know, those are things I'm looking at right now, just kind of on its surface, but it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see. I just I just think with Paul's history, he loves trading back, getting more value. And the argument is you trade back, you address more positions in need. And I think the Bears, like I said earlier, were a playoff caliber team. They needed a couple pieces and they need a good coordinator. I think I think that solves the Justin Fields issue um, where people say, oh, he's been up and down. And <clears throat> granted, there's some areas of his game that needs to improve, but I think the coordinator will help elevate his game. And I think Waldron will, can be a guy that takes him to that level that we all thought he could be if they end up keeping Justin Fields. So, yeah, it's, yep. it's going to be – it's going to be interesting to see. Um, As we've always said, it's a good problem to have. We've run into a good problem to have. I mean, there were, yeah, just a couple of years ago, we were arguing over whether it should be Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles to start for the bears. And now we've at least elevated to a different echelon of potential. When you talk about quarterbacks with Justin Fields and Caleb Williams, who have a ton of potential and we just have to try to see who's going to be the one to they choose and hopefully they can live up to the potential that we, we know they have. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. It's going to be a long off season until we get to that decision. Uh, but before we do, I did want to give a shout out to our guys over at DraftKings. 
uh, sports book. Make sure you hit using the code CHGO when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code CHGO. New customers, once again, can bet five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for gambling problems. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Uh, Once again, shout out to DraftKings. We appreciate you guys. Please hit that like button while you're hanging out here on CHGO Bears After Dark. Uh, You know, a full house, uh, you know, a full day, full slate of content here at CHGO Bears. You know, the afternoon show had Brad Spielberger on. If you haven't watched that already uh, from PFF, he really did a nice job kind of breaking down the decision and and, and talking about some of the things that Shane Waldron can bring here to Chicago. And he also talked a little bit about some of the other offseason decisions coming in free agency and what they're going to do with Jalen Johnson's, um, you know, contract situation here coming up. So uh, a lot of fun and Herb Howard and and Adam Hogue went toe to toe, you know, Corey, me and you have been duking it out between fields and Caleb for a while now. Um, Herb Howard and Adam Hogue uh, had a nice little battle here today and it was getting pretty heated for a second. And I enjoyed, Uh uh, I enjoyed the banter. Yes, it was fun because the point they were making was, you know, Herb said, you know, Lamar Jackson stylistic stylistically is just like, you know, Justin Fields is just like Lamar Jackson stylistically. And, and Carmen Hogue pushed back on that because they, you know, Lamar Jackson's a two-time MVP. He threw for 36 touchdowns in his second year in the league. And, and, and I think there's some people that think it's a bridge too far to say Justin Fields can be Lamar Jackson. Are they, do they have similar traits as players? Sure. I don't think anybody's going to argue that, but can Justin Fields be Lamar Jackson in the NFL? You know, there's some that believe he can. And then there's others that think that he's got a long way to go into that. And Adam responded when Herb said that, you know, stylistically, there's the same Herb said, well, realistically, they're not. And that was kind of what set it off into this, you know, uh, hearty debate. So like when, when, where do you, where do you stand on that comp? Cause Demarcus Walker, you know, the defensive end for the bears after Lamar Jackson had four total touchdowns, two passing two, two rushing touchdowns. He didn't even throw for 300 yards. It was 250 or 215 passing yards, a very similar stat line that we've seen here in Chicago, as far as total yardage, uh, but then also had the four total touchdowns to go along with it. And then Demarcus Walker comes out and says, Hey, you know, if Justin Fields gets developed, right, that's who he could be just like LJ. So, you know, I think I know the answer to your question, but I'll answer, ask it anyway. Do you think that Justin Fields 
can reach the potential of what we're seeing Lamar Jackson, who might be winning his second MVP here this season. I, I do. If, if, if he's the quarterback going forward with Shane Waldron, I think he could elevate his game. And, and that's been the big knock on Justin Fields. Everybody knows what he can do running the football, but it's been the inconsistency, right? We see the, the Denver game, the commanders game where he's lights out, right? The Falcons game where that was arguably, we, we talked about his best game in the NFL about precision throwing. And that's what is so exciting about it. The fact that he can make all those throws is now about getting the consistency with it, getting a play caller that can design plays to get him confident. And I think Shane Waldron takes him to that next step. But I think he is very similar to a Lamar Jackson. And I think he can have that same success. It's about unlocking the offense. And some people really think that, oh, he just doesn't have it. But the thing is, why do you think so many people around the league are so intrigued with Justin Fields' talent? Because he has stuff that you can't teach. Some of the throws he makes, sometimes you're like, wow, that's the Falcons game. Like throwing absolute darts over there and what he can do running the football and playmaking and extending plays. And he can make every throw is now a matter of the consistency. So um, I, I, think it's, I think it's a tough thing for people to see because they're like, well, what we've seen with Justin Fields, we've seen inconsistency, and people always point to the stats. But there's no denying we've seen improvement from him this year, major improvement. There's there's no doubt about it. So, you know, you could have the guy from PFF, and he could talk stats all day. But sometimes there's things on the eye test that you can't put into stats. You can't quantify, right? And I think Lamar Jackson at times, you look at his games, you're like, oh, his stats, or Jalen Hurts, you're like, oh, their stats are okay. But the impact that they have on the game and how their coordinator is able to game plan around what they do well, right? And I've always said this, like, because people are trying to say, oh, well, you know, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts are all kind of in that same window, right? Mobile quarterbacks that can run the football, extremely effective, and now they're trying to work an offense around them. Justin Fields can be one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. I truly believe that if he continues to elevate his game with a great staff. And I think this was the step in the right direction. Like I talked about, Shane Waldron is the first hire Bears offensively that I felt great about. That you're like, this is a guy that has a proven track record, that has schemes, that has concepts that are designed to beat opposing offenses, right? We're not talking about a guy that just goes off his first 20 plays and are great, and then all of a sudden falls apart at that point. You know, yep. what he's been able to do with Geno Smith's career. So I, I just, I'm on the side of, of keeping Justin Fields because I think he can elevate himself to that level. I think he can. I, I'm not saying he's going to be exactly what Lamar Jackson is going to be. Um, I think he has the potential to be. And I think it's about the coordinator working around him, them adding weapons. And uh, I, I really do think keeping Justin Fields gets this team closer to a Super Bowl run than drafting Caleb Williams. Everybody thinks that a quarterback out of college is going to be a sure thing. It, it's not. It's a completely different game. And if, if you really want to play that game about, oh, we've seen this and that, look at the games where Caleb Williams was pressured, right? Look at that Notre Dame game. Look at some of the other games. He really struggled. And I think that's the mark. Any quarterback will struggle with pressure in their face. But he, he looked pretty bad in that game, throwing bad picks. And I just think when I'm when I'm when I'm looking at it, you know, I'm, I'm hearing about him potentially being a diva. I'm hearing all this stuff about locker room stuff. And it's kind of interesting. Um, Brock Heward, uh, the former NFL quarterback that commentates, yep. his brother works for USC, correct? 
Yep. And Brock, brother, has the connection with Caleb Williams, right? He's called Caleb Williams games, talked about his talent. He said the Bears should stick with Justin Fields. So I'm just wondering, you know, like, brother's in there, probably told him about certain things. Caleb Williams is saying he has this generational talent that you see once in a lifetime. Yep. Why do you think so many analysts, why do you think so many former pros are saying keep Justin Fields there at that point? Yep. No, it's certainly interesting. And I have said that, like I was just saying that earlier on Twitter, like all the, like all the fans, it it's, there is an extent to me that is surprised how overwhelming the fan support of keeping Justin is when the bears have the number one pick. I understand people supporting fields. He's a, I think he's always carried himself really well. He's very even keeled, um, you know, and, and he's had unbelievable dynamic plays and touchdowns that will get any fan excited. Uh, but when you balance that with having the number one pick in this prospect coming out, I would have thought it would be more split down the middle or even leaning the other way in most years, but fans have stayed loyal to wanting keep, to keep fields. But more importantly, when you talk about these players, yourself included, uh, going on different shows, even current players that play for the Bears, Jalen Johnson, DJ Moore. Uh, but then you go outside of that, guys that don't play in the league anymore, that do podcasting or do interviews. Jay Cutler. Yeah, Jay Cutler. You know, these guys all are saying this um, for the most part, not the complete majority. Alex Brown, he doesn't think that. I'd love to bring him on and have you two argue. I don't know how well you guys know each other. That would be a fun debate. But to to your point, the majority of these players think they should keep Justin Fields. That's something that's always made me take a step back and kind of reconsider what I'm looking at a hundred percent. Cause I respect your guys's on understanding of the game on a level that I'll never understand it quite frankly. And, and, and Brock Heward is a good point. You know, when he did that interview on Waddle and Sylvie, that is something that sets off, you know, some, some, some alarms like, Hey, what does this guy know that he's not saying on the air for him to not be all in on Caleb? His brother works for the team. He's called his games. And so he's sitting there saying, keep fields. He didn't say anything to denigrate Caleb Williams, but he also he's not, said, he's not going to say it on there. He's right. Of course, of course not. But he also didn't say to draft him. So I agree with you when you try to pick through it and try to figure out why he said what he said, that that certainly is an interesting question at the very least. And, and to your point, when you talk about, you know, draft evaluations and, and Lamar Jackson, where we started this conversation, you know, the year that Lamar Jackson came out, the number one pick was Baker Mayfield. The number three pick was Sam Darnold. And the number 10 pick was Josh Rosen, you know, and, and then you start to get down the list and somewhere in there, I think, unless I got Josh Allen was number seven. And then somewhere here down the list is when Lamar Jackson at 32 with the Baltimore Ravens. So that to that point, you had, you know, Josh, you know, you had Josh Allen at seven go after Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. You had Josh Rosen taken at 10 and Lamar Jackson doesn't get taken all the way until 32. And so to that point, you know, you're looking at this draft and right now it makes perfect sense. Just draft Caleb Williams, you know, and, and, and to, it, we, it always seems so simple until after the fact, and then you look down the road and 
the guy that we weren't paying attention. Who knows? Maybe it's Jaden Daniels. That's the best quarterback of the bunch. And right now he's considered the third best quarterback. I don't know. I mean, there's another side of this conversation and coin of this conversation that can be had. And, you know, did when the, when the Colts had the number one pick in 1998, did they question who they were taking? No, they were taking Peyton Manning. You know, Ryan leaf was available, right? Uh, you know, when, when the Colts had the number one pick for Andrew luck, the minute the off season started, they knew they were taking Andrew luck. When the Panthers had the number one pick the year, Cam Newton was coming out. They knew they were taking Cam Newton, the Bengals with Joe Burrow. They knew they were taking Joe Burrow, the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. They knew they were taking Kyler Murray, uh, Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. So there's examples of teams going into an off season and a quarterback that's far and away, the clear cut number one pick. That's who it's going to be. There's always going to be these conversations that have their ups and downs. But at the end of the day, when the card was in, that's who they picked. And so Caleb could fall into line with those guys as well. And I believe that is going to be the pick, uh, but it isn't a guarantee that he'll work out like some of these quarterbacks I previously mentioned. So there's examples both ways, no doubt, but it's something that you have to consider. And it's why Ryan Poles makes the big bucks. It's, it's not an easy decision by any means. Brian Poles' entire career is on the line with this decision. And, and so I don't, I, I don't begrudge him for, for being the guy that has to make the pick. But at the end of the day, I think his wallet uh, reflects, you know, the, the, the importance of the decisions that he has to make. They pay him, they pay him well to make them. Yeah. Let, let, let's make a bet on this. Like uh, if, if the bears keep Justin Fields, you owe me a box of pro V ones. Uh, hey, that's that's completely fair. I mean, what, do, what, do you, what do you want if they end up drafting? Uh, what do you want a bottle of liquor or something? <laughs> so I know you ain't no golfer. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, when when if when the Bears draft Caleb Williams, I want you to do a video on social media, and I want you to be wearing flip flops and and i just something of that nature where you're wearing flip-flops this is i'm like trying to envision this in the moment you're wearing flip-flops you're wearing but you're gonna have to at that moment when we draft caleb we're all in on caleb at that point so you're officially flip-flopping in that moment to team caleb you're coming over to my side so i need you to wear some flip-flops i'll get you the caleb williams jersey and then you'll do something in social media in a video. I'll have to come up with the exact verbiage that I'll want you to say, but I think this is a good bet pro V ones. Yeah. I'll even do some kind of social media where you can, you know, I'll do something funny. As I've said, if they keep J- uh, Justin Fields, I've said it a million times and I'm going, I swear by it. It will happen. If they keep Justin Fields, we are going to meet somewhere in Chicago, all the diehards, all the fans of CHGO, Anybody that stood 10 toes down on Justin Fields will get to chuck meatballs at me. We may try to raise some money for charity for the event, maybe like five bucks a pop if you want to chuck meatballs. And and Corey Wooten, I want you on the front lines throwing your your hardest fastball at me if and when that occurs. But uh, that's why I'm putting it on the line because in my opinion, I I don't think it will, but I will lay it on the line for that. So I'm just going to tell you why why I think they're not going to draft them because of the locker room, right? When you look at how they kept Eberflus, they're trying to keep this this team intact for the most part, and how they finished the, the season, the chemistry, the camaraderie, guys 
openly talking about how they want Justin Fields, how they want to play with him, right? Justin Fields is working out at Soldier Field or in Hallis Hall right now, right? There's been videos of him posted walk, working out at Hallis Hall. So I'm just like I'm, I'm piecing all these all, all these things together, and I think it's a hard thing being a former player to break up the chemistry and camaraderie of the locker room, just how how well they played towards the end of the season. And you were building something, and I think Poles is realizing that. And everyone sees the talent. Now it's about getting a coordinator that can unlock his potential. And what is it? Taking his passing game to the next level. So if they did hire Greg Roman, that, that would have been negative for his passing game, but positive for his playmaking ability, right? Right. So when we're talking about trying to elevate his game, and I look at what he did with Geno Smith. Geno Smith was terrible. Like, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Like, as a starting quarterback before he got to Seattle, he was bad. Like the thing is, nobody ever thought he would have ever have a chance to become a starter ever in his career. And what he's been able to do has been amazing. It's all because of Shane Waldron. He put him in a position to succeed, right? He put an offense. He's like, this is what Gino does well. Let's work these concepts. He's a proven guy. And I think that's why they're going to keep Justin Fields because I think polls realize that's why he fired Luke Getzey, right? If not, you're like, Oh, He's going to keep Luke Getzey, but he's not. I'm done with this guy. Um, I think everybody knew that. Well, and to your point, I mean, if they're keeping fields with this hire they just made, it's because they do believe that he can win from the pocket. If they had hired Greg Roman, they would have said, you know what? Justin Fields is an unbelievable talent. This is who he is. Let Greg Roman take him and try to get him as close to Lamar Jackson as we possibly can. But if they keep, if they hire Shane Waldron and they're keeping Justin Fields, it's because Ryan Poles sees on tape and believes that it was not the the shortcomings that Justin Fields has had statistically are because of either a the play caller or b the roster, and he's looking at it and saying, "I know his ability, and I believe he can win from the pocket, and I'm going to make him into the quarterback that people." don't some people don't believe he can be a hundred percent, a hundred percent that that would be the case if, and when they decide to, to run it back with Justin Fields. I do agree. The locker room is a big intangible in this. Um, you know, there's no question. He has the respect of his teammates and they would run through a brick wall for him. Caleb Williams would have to earn that. Um, he wouldn't get that right out the gate. I mean, I can remember when Cedric Benson once came to the locker room to take Thomas Jones's job, you know, uh, and, and I remember those guys didn't really like Cedric that much when he first came there, uh, rest in peace to Cedric, but that's just kind of how it went down. So, you know, Caleb would have to earn it. Caleb would, you know, have to come out and win some games early on. And I think the the locker room would, would, would have his back. I mean, they're not going to begrudge him for a choice that he had no control over, but you know, there is that element. So, you know, polls can't ignore that, but there is more to it, you know, obviously. And, and polls has said himself, he has to take his emotion out of the decision. So, you know, like I said, long way to go. We'll continue to beat our heads against the wall over it. Uh, but it certainly will be interesting, but I think this is an encouraging hire at the end of the day. It certainly is an upgrade over Luke Getzey, but I'll do respect to Luke, but I don't really think the bar was set that high uh, to, to be better than Luke. We're striving to be, as good as what we're seeing in green Bay currently, what we're seeing, you know, San Francisco, you know, in the NFC is obviously the, the standard and the bar that you want to reach, but we got a long way to go to get there. So we'll see if they can. Uh, we did have a couple super chats in here that I wanted to get to our guy, hands down 
you know, a diehard that's been hanging out with us in our uh, diehard watch-alongs. We've been watching the playoffs together in our diehard Discord spaces. If you become a diehard, uh, you can hang out with us as well. We also do overtimes after shows uh, where you can come in and, and ask questions yourself to us face-to-face. It's audio and video, so uh, we're hanging out there after shows. We call them diehard overtimes. Hands down, 999 says, so so way this, the quarterback scenario plays out, it's going to be on Waldron's shoulders to develop JF1 or his incumbent. I'll try to be optimistic. Shane will live up to the challenge. Bear fucking down. Love it. Uh, hands Ooh. down. Um, that's that's exactly the mindset you got to take here. Uh, Easy E134, $20 super chat. Let's face it. We're the Bears. We'll never have a 4,000-yard passer, but we do have a dominant running quarterback who did start taking care of the ball better at the end of the year. Build the most dominant D. Let's go bear down so easy team keep fields build that defense up and uh you know be that be the bully on the block that we're seeing the ravens are being right now uh there's certainly a pathway to success with that with that you know strategy there's the i'm not i've never argued that but if if geno smith could pass for four thousand yards justin fields can like there's 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 no yeah i theoretically yes uh there's no question you would think that that's the possibility, but at the same time, you know, has Lamar Jackson ever thrown for 4,000 yards? I I don't think he has because he rushes for a thousand yards every year. So, you know, there's only so many yards you can get in a game and in a season. So, you know, as long as Justin Fields total yards are somewhere around that number, it doesn't matter how you get them. Yeah. No, how efficient you are, how effective you are. Well, it doesn't matter. Like if you throw for 4,000, 4,200 yards, and then Justin runs for 3,200 yards, but rushes for a thousand yards. It's the same amount of yards on a football field. You can argue which one is more sustainable, but Hey, how many years has Lamar Jackson been in the league? Now he's showing that his running ability is still sustain- sustainable. You could argue, you know, how much of it is a propensity to get hurt. Now that's a different conversation. Obviously, you know, a guy that doesn't run as much, isn't, you know, is liable to get hurt. But as we've seen, plenty of pocket quarterbacks get hurt as well. Joe Burrow has had season-ending injuries two out of his first four years. He's not a running quarterback. So it's a violent sport. So, you know, that's just kind of part of the game. And maybe a running quarterback is the type that can run away from a potential, you know, injury as opposed to somebody that sits in the pocket and can't avoid it. Yeah, the crazy part is when you look at Justin Fields' highlights in college, he really did not run that much at all. Like no. his his highlights in college were, were impressive. Some of the throws, the dimes. That's why when he came here to Chicago and he was running up a storm, you're like, who is this guy? Like we knew he was a mobile quarterback, but he really, he didn't do that unless it was his last resort. So, you know, I think his first year with the lack of weapons and he's like, listen, I, I'm just going to take it and go um, at that point. So um, yeah, I, I, it's just surprising because in college, he, he was the opposite. He was more of a pocket. Pattern. Well, and, but at the same time, Ohio state has, you know, all these top picks on their offensive line. When Justin was there, they had three wide receivers that are some of the top wide receivers in the league. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. And so your margin of error is much different when you're playing with those guys on your offensive oh, side yeah. of the ball. And, and, you know, yeah, he didn't run that much. He was, you know, sent back in the pocket, but he also, 
you know, if you watch anybody that evaluated Justin Fields coming out, you know, uh, Matt Waldman is somebody that I trust who does a great job. You know, he showed that, you know, there were times where he's a tick or two late. He's got a hitch or two before he gets it out. And at Ohio state, the windows are a little more wide. And so in the NFL, those windows shorten up and you know, the release time needs to be a little quicker and, and the bears have not done a great job helping it. Justin Fields in his development. The Ryan poles did him no favors with the roster being completely ripped up last year to help in his development. But at the end of the day, Justin still has some of these tendencies and bad habits to not get the ball out of his hand. And maybe that changes here this year with a new OC and a new mind and, you know, a better personnel around him. Maybe I'm not going to rule that out as a possibility at all. People are allowed to get better. I'm not going to put a cap on what Justin Fields' potential is. But at the end of the day, it is on tape that there are times that he just doesn't let it out of his hands. He'll hitch. You know, he waits a second or two longer than he should. And that's the difference in the NFL between a complete and incomplete pass. So, you know, those are things that Ryan Poles has to consider is, you know, it, you know, can this translate? Can he take this offense? Can he learn Shane Waldron's offense this year and take them to the playoffs? Is the margin of error with the personnel around him now bigger, you know, cause that's the other aspect you know, is, you know, that you have a dominant defense and, and great players all around you. You don't have to be the perfect quarterback to succeed because you've got, you know, help around you, God forbid. So, um, you know, like I said, Corey, you know, you know, I respect your opinion. We have fun here on the show. We've been going at it probably longer than most shows, um, you know, talking about Caleb versus Justin. We've been doing this since November, it feels like, and it is, I, you know, there are times where I feel bad. It's an exhausting conversation and I understand the fans want to hear about other things. Like we barely talk about, you know, I've tried at times just with us, like, Hey, let's talk about the linebackers. Let's talk about Jervon Dexter. Let's talk about, you know, there's just so much more. And unfortunately, because this is such an important decision, it just, it's got a gravitational pull that can't be avoided. So you know, I certainly am never trying to um, disrespect your opinion. I certainly respect it to a high regard. I have my own. And if I end up wrong, we can have some fun with it and, and see where the chips stand uh, or see where the chips fall. I Meatball should say. party. So, <laughs> meatball party. I, hey, I, I would fully embrace it. That would be a lot of fun uh, to oh, be. Oh. Uh, here we go with the, with the damn, the, the people were calling for the impersonations to start the show. The other part is uh knowledge on tame said Greg Olson was interviewed for the OC history has history with the bears, Seattle's quarterback coach. So he is free to join here. I think the bears going to add him to the staff. And, and that for me is a big decision that I'm very curious to see where this goes because the offensive coordinator, his responsibility is to the entire offense, to calling plays, to scripting out a playbook. There's a lot of things he can't just dial in to completely developing the quarterback. The quarterback coach is somebody that helps with that assistance. So I'm hoping as much as we brought in Shane Waldron, who has a resume of calling plays and a resume of developing quarterbacks. I want my quarterbacks coach to have a similar looking resume. I know I'm getting greedy here because guys that have a good resume typically get better jobs than just quarterback coach. But at the end of the day, I am hoping 
that uh, we can get somebody in here like Greg Olson, you know, that Byron can come. Lefwich, maybe. Byron Lefwich. I saw somebody put tweet at me that I should be banging the drum for Steve Young. Um, you know, so it, it, it will, um, it, it would, yeah, I hope somebody can come in here and really help because either quarterback and in my eyes, Caleb Williams, who I do believe because Ravi's trying to put me on the record. I don't know how more clear I can be since the season ended, but we'll do it again. Ravi, I am on the record. Caleb Williams is going to be a bear entertaining all sides. I'm not entertaining all sides. Corey has an opinion here on this show, Ravi, and I am allowing him to give a different perspective than what oh, you're he, allowing me. Yeah. Yes. You, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like you're in my, you're, you're, to, you're in my you. house, Corey, and I'm allowing you. To you have, you're lucky. You're lucky. I'm in St. Louis and you're in Indiana somewhere, listen, boy, because listen, listen. it wouldn't be pretty. You saw what I did to Brett Favre. Listen. I did the same thing to you, Brad. Listen, I got a little more. Allowed, I, I got a little more wiggle than Brett Favre. I'll run from you. So yeah, right. He's got Wranglers and Copperfield. You ain't got none of that. All right, I saw so, the way you got that tooth knocked out. Come on, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. <laughs> Robbie, I understand you meant it as like a, a compliment towards me, but I'm just saying I, I'm not entertaining all sides. We until the decision is made, Ravi, I know everybody's kind of just hard in their ways. This is what they're going to do. People today were saying, oh, this means they're definitely keeping fields. And then there's the other side. This means they're definitely keeping Shane Waldron. I think we're all kind of reaching to our own biases, our own opinion, our own predictions. And so it's not just entertaining another person's opinion. These are scenarios that we have to talk about because if we just spend three months talking about Caleb Williams being a bear and then he's not, uh, that would be a lot of wasted energy and breath. So we have to talk about everything here. And I understand for fans that it can get pretty tiresome. So Corey, before we go, you know, the NFC and AFC championship games are, uh, are on us here this Sunday. I'm excited to see them. Quickly, you know, what are your thoughts on these games? Who do you think is going to win? So I think in the NFC, I think it comes down to San Francisco. I think I think they're going to win this one. I get weary of teams after a bye. Like I know they didn't look the best, um, but after a bye, having that first week off, usually teams are a little sluggish. So I take that with a grain of salt. I think they're going to bounce back this week, have a really strong performance, especially playing at home to get in the Super Bowl again uh, since last time. They faced uh, Mahomes and company. And uh, then in the AFC, I'm going to have to go with Lamar in this one. You know, I think I think they're the team that has the defense that can really be able to stop Kansas City's dynamic offense. And I think if any year, this is the year to get them. They, they haven't had all the receivers that catch the ball. They're really not firing on all cylinders like they do. Um, Baltimore has a really good front seven. Good secondary. I, I think they're the team that could beat him and go go to the Super Bowl. And um, yeah, I would I like to see that matchup, Baltimore and San Francisco. But I'd be happy. I'd be happy to see Detroit in there, just because they've been bad for so long. Yep. And what they're building there, and and it's 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 been pretty cool to see because we're both around the same age. The last time Detroit, you know, has been to the playoffs was what ninety one. Yep. They've won two playoff games now. 31, 31 years, I think, since the last time they won yeah, a playoff so game. Now they've won two. Exactly. It's, it's crazy what a coach, a staff, and, and drafting well can, can do for you. And that's what they've been able to do. And I'm hoping the Bears can continue to do that. Because I think there are a couple positions away from, from being in this type of position uh, a year or two from now. Yeah, I, 
I I was I was having some fun. You know me, I'm always talking shit and just trying to rile up the fan base on Twitter. But I said the Chiefs Ravens game is team draft uh quarterback versus t versus build a team. You know, like the Ravens uh, are the build the team theory, and then the Mahomes is the draft the quarterback guy, especially with the comps that those two quarterbacks get coming from the same system and coach and stylistic type of playing that they have. But, uh, but yet, again, yet, yet again, just, just to, just to clarify this. So if the bears do draft or keep Justin Fields, meatball party, we can meatball party, meatball party. I'll be getting your change up. I ain't worried about your fastball uh, pro V ones. I'll give you some pro V ones, but if we, all right. So if we do it, cause we'll be into late April by then, um, maybe the golf, the golf courses will be open up. I'll get you pro V ones, but then we got to go play around. Is that a deal? I don't know if I can make it through. You are going to, I won't drink like I did at Cog Hill. How does that sound? I won't yeah, get I hammered. Couple, I see a couple of your swings. I was like, whoa, what is going on here? Listen, listen. The, the I'm, level of flexibility. I mean, oh, and I, but since Cog Hill, I've played a lot more since then. So you'd be surprised. So did, did you beat Carm? Uh, no. Yeah, of course. He cheat. The only way he can beat me is if he cheats. So uh, you got to uh, watch. It's the truth. Uh, when we were. Old? No, I, I don't think so. Not yet. Carm, you can beat Carm because he he's he he has less of an attention span than I do. He can't focus, and so that's his problem. He he actually has a pretty good swing, but he does he has the attention span of a squirrel. So after about three holes, he he like forgets what he's doing because he's too busy yapping his gums. So yeah, for me, I got the Ravens winning as well. I just I think the Chiefs. To get this far, they've had a pretty flawed, you know, roster in terms of their wide receivers, you know, given Mahomes fits this year, dropping passes. Mahomes has certainly had to carry the load for that team, and it, he's just an unbelievable player, and it's hard to bet against him. Uh, he took down the Bills, uh, winning his first road game in third. He, he hadn't played a road playoff game in his career yet. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. 13 playoff wins takes down the bills, but I don't know if they're going to have enough. I think their luck runs out. The Ravens defense is just that good. And then Lamar Jackson, obviously, you know, the MVP of the league this year is going to speak for itself. So I don't think so. I'm betting against Mahomes. Maybe that would be a, a, a unwise thing to do. And then on the other side, I do think the Lions are going to win. Uh, the, the Niners, I think are starting to show that they're not like Brock Purdy has flaws, you know, and without Debo Samuel, and I don't know if he's going to play like Debo gives them a wrinkle to their offense that gives Brock Purdy a margin of error. Like I was talking about earlier, but when Debo's not in there now, Brock Purdy has to do a little more than he may be capable of. And, you know, he, he makes some impressive throws. He had the drive to win the game or the Packers would be taking on the lions this week, but I don't know. I don't think the Niners without Debo Samuel have enough. The Lions are cooking right now. So I got the Lions and the Ravens in the really? Super Bowl. And then I got the Ravens beating the Lions, uh, you know, when 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 we head to Las Vegas. So we'll have yeah. to wait and see. But uh, appreciate you hanging out here tonight. We went a little long, had some fun. Appreciate everybody in the comments. Make sure you hit the like button here on your way out. We'll be back tomorrow 
at noon as we always are with chgo bears so uh subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and like i said before hit the like button Corey, thanks as always for hanging out we'll see you here next monday uh um, party in april meatball <laughs> party in april we'll see about that all right ladies and gentlemen we'll see you tomorrow afternoon bear down <laughs> 